Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Klaviyo is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak. is like, we're not just about making more revenue. That's great. But what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers. And the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you got to get on Klaviyo. Visit klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-O. IYO.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Waybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO of Waybreak. We are a boutique agency specializing in email and SMS marketing for high growth, direct consumer, e commerce, and retail brands. If you're, you know, having the same approach to scaling that you used to five years ago, it's not going to work. And one of the things that you need today now more than ever is a best in class retention strategy through as well as using channels like email and SMS to also acquire new customers and just really be dialed in across the board. If, if you don't have that, you're fighting an uphill battle, you're rowing upstream and you got to get that locked in. We can help you do that with our over five years of experience doing that for brands just like you. You can learn more about that at wavebreak.com about how we can help and connect with somebody on our team. Really excited for today's episode. As you guys know, on the podcast, I interview people behind the fastest growing brands, and sometimes I get to interview them twice. Today is a little bit like that. I'm joined by Jacob Durham, CEO and co-founder of Nomadic. So he's actually never been on the podcast, but his business partner, John, has been back in July of 2020, which I'll get into in the episode. I'll talk a little bit about that, but we've got the recap, two years worth of learnings, a different perspective from a different co-founder and a lot to learn here. Everything from inventory to supply chain to marketing to future growth. Uh, it's a really good one. Really excited for it. If you didn't listen to part one back in 2020 with John Richards of Nomadic, go back and listen to that. It's episode 137 and uh, then start this one or do it in a different order. It doesn't matter. This is a good one. So let's jump right into it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Jacob. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate Nomadic coming back. And it's great to have you for the first time. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, first things first, we obviously heard, you know, John's side of the story, how Nomadic began, but like just quickly um, bring us up to speed. We'd love to hear like your side of the story too. Yeah. Yeah. So we started back in 2014. We uh, were at a jazz game and decided we wanted to try our hand at something in business, not really intending to start a business, more just like, hey, let's earn some cash on the side. Let's try to learn something about business and like grow and progress business-wise and see where it goes. John knew about Kickstarter. Um, and so I, uh, we said, Hey, let's try it there. That seems like a good way to go. We, you know, I was living like paycheck to paycheck then and didn't have a lot what of were you doing back then. So I actually got my, I got a CPA license. I went to BYU, got a CPA license, did audit for a year. Then after like nine months of that realized, man, I can't do this anymore <laughs> and jumped out <laughs> of accounting and went to my family's business. And I had been working on and off there for like nine years during college to do, um, supply chain and purchasing overseas. So I got really comfortable with operations and supply chain during that time. So yeah, we jumped into, so I, we, while I was doing that full time, started this Kickstarter stuff and we created a wallet was our first product launched it. We were hoping we could raise maybe $10,000. If we did, we'd be stoked and ended up um, turning on Facebook advertising, Facebook ads and stuff back then and ended up raising like 180,000 and we were just like blown away. So we quit our jobs and over the next six, over the next like six months or so, we developed our next product, which ended up was like a planner notebook, raised like 380,000 on that one. Again, we're like shocked and couldn't believe it. And then our third product was the big one. We did a duffel travel bag. Um, and that one raised over three, uh, like just about $3 million through crowdfunding. And so at that point, we're like, okay, we're a travel company. We're a bag company and we create the most functional gear ever. That was the main tagline, the most functional travel bag ever. And so it really resonated with an audience. People love the functionality of it, the innovation, the design. And so from that sense, then we've launched about, you know, 10, 11 Kickstarter. I think we're on number 11 right now. And we raised about $13 million through crowdfunding. And yeah, so now we have a team of about 18 of us working together here in Utah and just creating more products, selling on our website, on Amazon, through some retailers, um, international distributors and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And like to get to get everyone up to speed. So last time I talked to your co-founder, um, we covered basically crowdfunding. We talked about how established brands could use crowdfunding to launch new products because I know that's still something you still leverage. Um, we talked about how you know to use that to raise funding and also grow your customer base at the same time. We talked about advertising strategies used to scale beyond Kickstarter. Um, how you were marketing your travel focused brand during a travel ban at the time, including like how you brought your video ads in house previously to that point as well. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm just curious, like, so, so that was in 2020, um, the episode went out in July. So I probably recorded it in like May or June say, so like rewinding from your perspective, like, what was that like? Because you guys were on a really incredible growth trajectory before. And then I'm sure it was like, pretty freaky whenever it's like, Oh no, like, you know, the, all, everything starts happening. Yeah. The, looking back, those are some dark months. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was crazy. You know, middle of March came and everything started, um, closing down and travel bans started going up and we were, uh, definitely nervous. We all started working from home and I remember being in my basement. I was in an unfinished basement and it was just like those days I was working, you know, every minute of every day for like two months to like, look at it. being an accountant, I immediately went to all the numbers, started counting every penny in the business, seeing where it was going, where it was coming out, where it was coming in. And just thinking through that side of it, because I knew that, you know, we started seeing sales drop a bit. And it was so sad because just the story of so many people 
January and February came and it was like the best months we'd like ever had. We were beating forecasts, like everything was amazing. And we were going to beat our annual like projections. And then March hit and it just like dropped. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we, uh, we sort of went into survival mode for a little bit. And the past few years were, were, were crazy. That happened, went in my basement and just was crunching numbers and trying to figure out how we're going to survive this. We were lucky to have a, a mentor slash investor in our business who he's a seasoned veteran, started and sold a couple of businesses. And he looked at me and he said, Jacob, this is going to be a lot harder than everyone thinks it's going to be, especially for us as a travel brand. You can't wait. You have to act today, start cutting costs and start pulling in because this is going to be a tough couple of years. Um, and so that was really sobering for me. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And hardest stuff, obviously, that a lot of companies had to face was we had to let go half of our team. We had to cut back on a lot of apps we'd been using that made our jobs easier. We had to cut back on ad spend, figure out how to be efficient and all that. And so we, we basically had to maneuver and change a bunch of things in our business over the next few months that were difficult. But we ended up in the year, because of his advice and what he, he told us to do that mentor, um, we ended up having one of our more profitable years, even though our revenues did drop by like 15, 20%. So we were able to, <clears throat> we, we saw a drop in revenue. And as a travel brand, you know, one thing that happened to us right when the pandemic hit, we had just launched a photography line. And so our travel stuff dropped, but this photography line, people started going into hobbies a lot. And photography was one of those ones that started taking off. So that category did well. And so luckily that one um, really saved us during that time. So our revenues only dropped by about 15%. Um, but through it all, we were able to, through cutting costs and just trying to be smart. Um, and then we started doing some discounting and things like that. We were able to pull through and have a pretty good 2020. 2021 actually ended up being even harder because of all the supply chain issues we've been seeing, which everyone's feeling now. Like, and in, let's see, it was August to October, our factory actually shut down, which was right when stuff was supposed to come off the line and get here for Q4 for holidays. In 2021 for last year. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, man. And so that was actually like, I would say for us, the more painful one was that we actually had bigger losses year over year in that year, which was really, really difficult to just like know everything was ordered. We were ready to go, but nothing could get here on time. And so we actually are just getting our stuff from Q4 like today. Like last wow. week, a lot of the shipments came in because of that because our factory shut down and that was painful. So, um, but I feel like, well, I guess, yeah. So recap in the last two years, like 2020, 2020 was a lot of like re like cutting the fat and getting us to be a more lean and figuring out what we needed to survive. Mm -hmm. 2021, we were then preparing for a big year, but then all the supply chain stuff hit, so that hurt us. But now this year is the year that I'm actually really excited for. Uh, I think travel's coming back where our January was, we actually beat our projections and more profitable than we thought we were going to be. February is looking to do the same thing. So and I was actually out traveling this last week, went down to Disneyland with my son and, uh, which was a blast, but we uh, ended up while I was out there. It was crazy to see how many people were out traveling and without masks. Like it was the first time I'd been in a group that big, like I'd been to Disneyland a couple of times before, but it was so packed and no one was wearing masks. And it kind of was the first time seeing like people are kind of getting over the pandemic and are, are feeling yeah. confidence from the vaccines and, for everything that, that's been happening to try to help it and, and slow down the pandemic, people are now feeling like confident they can go out. And it was the first time I saw it to be like, okay, travel's coming back and we can, we, Nomadic yeah. can have a comeback now, which is exciting. The, uh, the accountant in you is like reforecasting the year and <laughs> all the inventory. Um, exactly. that's, that, 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I know it was really like the ultimate, the ultimate crunch and the ultimate slam. Like, yeah. so it's like, okay. I mean, you shut down anything for like, you know, even if we're just talking three weeks, like that's significant impact, let alone for months at a time. What, um, I don't want to drill too deep into 2020. Cause I think I talked with that yeah. before, but I think that makes sense. I guess just like in looking back at 2020, like any lessons that you took from that, like being a travel focused brand is like the overall strategy now shifted and, and like more like, Hey, we're, we're more of an overall gear brand versus travel brand. Is that, has that happened at all? Or what, what were some of the learnings outside of, you know, the, the standard, but I guess the strategic side of the business, like what, what's, what are some of the things you've learned there through that? You know, a lot of people see us as a travel brand. I, I see us as something a little different, but so for me, we've always been just like a gear brand every day and a little bit and some travel. Um, but definitely having that photography was a big eye opener, eye opener to me to say that being in other, um, industries and other areas and having products servicing multiple like segments is extremely valuable. Cause if we hadn't had that photography stuff launching like days after the pandemic started getting real, um, we would have been in a lot of trouble. I don't know if we would have made it through the whole thing. So having that photography stuff in place really did save us in a big way. And then the other thing was just uh, relying on mentors and having good people around you probably was the other big thing. Cause he really helped me understand what was real and what wasn't and where it could be going. So those are probably two really big lessons for me. And then for 2021, was it like, Hey, let's diversify into more industries or is it like, Hey, let's keep doubling down on the photographer thing. And then like, as travel comes back, get back into uh, you know the travel gear or how did that inform or was it like not even thinking like that because it was more like, Hey, we just kind of need this inventory or what's going to happen or what was the thought process there? Yeah, we definitely doubled down on photography, um, pushed harder. We launched a new photography line last year that was, so the first one was like a travel photography line where the new one was like the everyday photography line. Um, launched back in April. Um, and that was supposed to be one of the big things that pushed us. So we did head deeper down that path because we knew that's where we had to go. We, we definitely avoided development of anything travel. Like we didn't even talk about travel development because we had no idea how long this pandemic was going to last. And so we said, oh, everything's photography now. Let's double down on that. And the campaign went really well last year, um, but we we had a delivery date of October and all things said we should be able to deliver by then because, you know, COVID cases were going down, things were getting looking better, but we didn't anticipate that our factory was going to shut down October, November. And that mm. and so that was like right when our stuff was supposed to finish production and ship. And so it got a two month delay and then now we're getting months of delay on delivery because all the supply chains are broken up and broken down and stuff. So but yeah, I'd say we just doubled down in photography and that was the big lesson that we learned. Yeah, that makes sense. And and when you say campaign, you're referring to a Kickstarter campaign because yes. with your new products, that's what you launched just for listener context. Um, cool. And thinking about supply chain, um, like how do you, so you, you have a unique background where that's kind of where you almost started. Like you're the, mm-hmm. you're like the perfect counterpart um, to John where it's like, you're the, you're the numbers in the supply chain guy. Right. Um, that's a, that's like a great team. It's, it's fun to talk to both of you too. Um, so, so walk me through supply chain. Like, how are you thinking about that? Now we're in 2022. (laughs) I feel like we're just bouncing around the years. I'm going to stop through that. But like, how, how do you think about supply chain these days? Cause it's such a, such a, you know, nuanced thing a lot more than it used to be. Yeah. It's tough now. Like we just got a report from our supply chain, our our freight forwarder saying that like back in 99, 2019 or whatever, there was like a 90% level that you could trust your shipments to arrive on time. And now it's like less than 10%. <laughs> Literally, Literally the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so 
nowadays, you know, we're looking at other things. We've tried to look at like manufacturing down in Central America or something and try to look for different locations, but we found that, you know, the ramp up time to get something like that going and do it confidently is like a year to like a year and a half to really get that going. And we think that, you know, it probably, I don't think supply chains are going to get fixed in the next six months. It's probably is a year and a half. So I wonder if by the time it all gets fixed, we'll be ready to, we'll be okay going back to Asia. We are looking at other countries in Asia. We're looking at Philippines and um, Thailand and other areas like that. Um, so that's one thing we're doing. The other, the big, biggest thing we're doing though, to try to get ahead of this, we've just ordered a lot more inventory. We just know that this is this supply chain delays are here to stay for a while. And so our biggest approach to get over it is just to say, rather than having the four months of inventory on hand that we used to have, we have eight months on hand now is what we're purchasing for. So it's tying up a lot of cash in inventory, which is uncomfortable, but I just, it's what, what we have to do basically. Yeah. Are you, are you like, did you have to like raise any kind of financing to be able to go from four months to eight months? Or are you just like have less cash on hand than you typically um, would? Right now we've been fortunate. So in 2019, we went on this mindset. We were trying to raise and grow really fast because we had seen really good growth. So we're like, let's just shoot for the moon and go for it. And um, part, part way through that, like in October of 2019, we decided that it wasn't true to our DNA of who me and John were. We just didn't love the feeling. We felt like we lost a lot of control of what was going on. We didn't love yeah. the and the stress. And so we said, stop that. We're not doing that. We're growing this for ourselves. We're growing it because we love what we're doing and we're going to create balance in our lives. And that's what we're doing with this business. And so luckily we did that because right when we hit COVID, which was, you know, like five months later, we got out of debt on everything and we're fully self-funded. And since oh, then nice. I've been able to be that way since. And so now we, we don't have to, we're getting to a point now where maybe we might have to take on some debt later on in the year when all these shipments of huge amounts of inventory is coming in. But uh, we're doing all our, all that forecasting right now. But so we, we may end up having to do some debt financing, I think. Got it. And then how are you thinking about the other thing that's changing is like marketing. So like you mentioned, like, you know, you hit your stride with Facebook previously. Um, you know, th yeah. things are always changing there. <laughs> what, um, how has that impacted your forecasting also? And how do you, how do you think about that? Like, do you think about sell through the same way that you did before, or is it a little bit more nuanced now? Or like, how are you, how are you balancing that with your projections also? Like pre versus post pandemic you're saying, or just in yeah, general, or like or with, business. yeah, we're with like iOS 15 and all these different things. Like, are yeah. you, are, are you still having, you know, the same success and confidence in your advertising you used to, or, um, has that also factored into how you're planning for inventory and all that? Yeah. So it definitely, it always is impacting it. Like it's changing so much. I feel like every month there's a new update or new thing or new, whatever that's set out to hurt us but <laughs> yeah but that's I thought you're gonna say to right? like new yeah it used to be like a new tool to help it's like oh the new the new tool on the black now it's just like a next level of difficulty yeah totally um but we've we have a really strong we have a really good team that does our um um ads buying ad buying and stuff like that and we've done a couple of things that we've done to really drill in on attribution and under really trying to understand where the revenue is coming from, what the path is that our customers are taking and things like that. We use a tool called Rocker, Rockerbox. I'm mm, sure you've yep. probably heard of it. Um, it's actually been really helpful to try to understand where we can actually um, uh, track revenues from and what tools are actually working and not working. And it's helped us a ton. I mean, we've cut back on a lot of retargeting that we were doing previously and put it into a lot more awareness campaigns and prospecting and you know, just shifting things here and there to where actually we're running 
probably more efficient than we have for the past few years than we ever have. Like while impressions are going up for most people around me from the networks that I'm in, we've been able to keep our cost per impression down and it's actually done pretty well because of the help we've received through Rockerbox and that type of, uh, those types of tools of attribution modeling and stuff. Oh, wow. So basically like by you having to, like you said before, like cut all the fat, like across the board. Now you're just super dialed in. I, as close as you can be probably. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't want to boast because there's no way you can be totally dialed in. No, but I think it makes sense. I feel like every every week I'm humbled by if I say something like that. But um, yeah, we've definitely put a lot of attention though into trying to really understand our customers and where they're coming from, why they're buying from us. Like last year we did something where we, um, we reached out to like 50 or hundred customers one-on-one and did video calls with them. And just said like me and my partner, Joe, my mentor, we just took time turns one-on-one just doing calls and getting to them saying, how did you find out about us? What do you like about us? What made you purchase? What? And just asking those questions. And I, it's something that not a lot of people do, but that those calls are really valuable. Taught us about who our customers are and what they want, what messaging is good. And then through this app, this program, Rockerbox, we were able to dial in like how they're finding us, where we should put our money, where's the, where's the most effective and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. Like there's, there's been a few people who I've had on the show who are like so adamant about that. They're like, pick up the phone and start dialing. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's so true. Like there's so many brands, like you think about, like you, when you look at the surface of like D2C or whatever you want to call it, what it's become, like you're like, oh, there's a brand for everything. But like so many brands don't even understand their customer at right. like any sort of level. They think it's one person, but it's not that person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even your marketing is still effective when you're talking to the wrong person and you're still getting customers. Like imagine if you actually spoke to those people, like what were some of the interesting insights you learned from, from picking up the phone? Was there anything that like surprised you that you're like, Oh, I didn't quite know that. Or, or just like anything in general that you learned. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of stuff. I mean, it was really eye opening. So we learned a lot of like, a lot of our people are, they love, so they see us as a way for them to gain recognition. They really love recognition as, as people like they, when they carry our bags, it makes them feel like they can do anything. So playing on that was really interesting because they would walk into room and they would set their desk on the, on the boardroom table and be like, and everyone would be like, Oh, this guy means business. Like we had people saying stuff like that for us. Like it made them feel more confident. So that emotion was interesting to talk about in our ads or, um, there are a lot of our people are like, what if scenario people where they're just always like, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if, what if this happens? Or like they're, they're prepper, they're preparing for the worst case scenarios and they yeah. want to invest in that. Another thing we found is that everyone said your bags are expensive, but they're worth it. Like that was a, like, without a doubt, everyone said like your bags are expensive, but they never ended it just expensive. Like, but it's worth it. It's an investment. Mm. So we started talking about like the quality of our bags and why they're, why they are what they cost. And so just dialing certain messages and emotions and values that people are sharing to see who they are. Also professions. There's a lot of people, a lot more in IT than we thought there were. That was an interesting, we thought our people were a lot more entrepreneurial, but there were a lot of IT type professionals or um, like service professionals, whether it's marketing or agency or SaaS companies, like a lot of that type of stuff was interesting to find out too. Yeah, that's super interesting. How did you go and then communicate like the value of the product? Like what were any tactical ways that you did that? Like, are you, are we talking like Warby Parker? Like here's where it comes from and like all the costs that go into it or more like highlighting certain features or what was, what was that like? Yeah. Um, I think that what we did was just talking to the value proposition, like for people who wanted to pre- like be prepared for stuff, we, we would 
create scenarios where people felt and looked prepared and felt confident when they were those situations. Like we just created a video spot where um, there's a guy going through the TSA checkpoint and then shows him like at every point, like pulling stuff without even having to look where everything is. And so that people are realizing like, oh, it helps me feel prepared and it helps me feel confident as I'm going through this. And people are recognizing that, wow, this guy has it all together. So that recognition piece. So just creating stories and, and um, lines that are tailored to that. Yeah, that's great. And then do you do all the product design and development in-house too? Yeah, that's actually the part that John and I love the most. Like when we started this, we we were the only designers for the first like three or four years. We've been around oh, for nice. about years now. So me and John did everything, um, created all the first bags that we did, the wallet, the notebook, the duffel, backpack, travel pack. Um, and then about th- three years ago, I think now we, we hired, excuse me, we hired a couple designers to come on and sort of take what we've done and elevate it and take it to the next level. We're still really involved in like the innovation concepts around it and saying like, here's what our customers want. And here's like the level, like the standard of quality that we have. And like, I, I think our designers, they're the most patient people around because me and John will be in meetings and we'll say, this is good, but what if it could do this? And let's try this and let's try that. And then we get a new sample, like, yeah, this is good, but let's now take that away and let's add this. Like, we're always like so involved and pushing it and trying to just really, really push the level of innovation and function around what we're doing. And so, yeah, for me and John, we love that product development piece, but it's always been in-house and we've always controlled that. I think that's one of our biggest um, value propositions is that we really care about our product development. Yeah. And then how did you do that? So, um, like, how would you know, I mean, that's like, I feel like that's like, um, or, or I don't even know how to say that. Like, I don't know. It's like a different skill than like the, you know, the, the initial skill of like being able to, I guess it kind of goes back to the sourcing side, but like, how did you, did you just make what you wanted? Is that kind of what it was like? It's like, there should be a pocket here for this. Or like, (laughs) how did you, how did you, how do you think through that? Yeah. So with the pro- when we when we decided on the product, once we decided which product we were going to make, our process was it's pretty normal. Like it wasn't anything like crazy. We would just go out in the market and ask. We asked friends and family like, "What are like? Let's say we're making a backpack. What's your favorite backpack and why?" We go out and buy that backpack, and we buy like ten backpacks. And we'd ask them why they loved it, and then we dissect them all, and we'd say, "Okay, here's everything they love. Now let's take all these pieces and put it into one bag, kind of Frankenstein it into the perfect bag, and then." while doing that, try to make it look sleek and clean and not really ugly with mesh pockets and things and zippers hanging all over the bag, you know? Um, so for us, it was just that process of a ton of surveying customers, surveying family and friends, um, and just trying to get our hands on as many different bags and products as we could to try to find out what was best, you know? And now a quick break for a quick word from our sponsor, Okendo. Okendo is the new standard in customer reviews for high growth Shopify brands. We use them with our clients and they work with over 4,000 of the fastest growing Shopify retailers like Skims, Nomad, and Buck Mason to help them leverage their most powerful asset, their customers. Okendo gives brands all the tools they need to capture and showcase customer-generated content like product reviews and ratings, photos and videos, and Q&A. Plus, they have an awesome integration with Klaviyo that makes it easy to do cool stuff like send review request emails and target shoppers based on review content. And now that it's that time of year again, when Black Friday and Cyber Monday are top of mind, Okendo is offering a 90-day free trial to help e-commerce brands ramp holiday conversion without having to worry about increased subscription costs. 
If you sign up before October 31st, you pay nothing until 2022. It's really a no-brainer to me, and don't worry, you won't be forced into any expensive annual contracts after your trial is up. They offer super affordable monthly subscriptions starting at $29. So you can make the most out of this holiday season with a little help from Okendo. Visit okendo.io and start your free trial today. That's O-K-E-N-D-O.io. Thanks, Okendo, for sponsoring the show. Yeah, I feel like your products have so many like convenient random pockets. Not random, I guess they're intentional, but like so many of them that I feel like it's hard for you to communicate like how many of them exist. Like I know on your product pages, it's like, Hey, this pocket for this and this pocket for this, this pocket for this is like, is this the same, the same product, but it is. Um, and it's <laughs> yeah, super it's cool. So, on on. Yeah. It's actually one of the biggest things I hear from people is like, one of the things that we didn't intend about people say, I love your bags because I always know if I'm missing something, cause I'll open my bag. And if any pocket is empty, I know exactly what I'm missing. Cause I know that my glasses go here or my charger goes here. And if that pocket's empty, my charger's not in my bag. Like, yeah. So people actually are, are people that like our products. They love that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then was it hard to hire those initial like product designers to then take over designing the products? Like, is it, was it easy to find people who like shared your same taste and vision or like, was it like yeah, it was, throw up a job post to see who comes in or like, what is it like hiring for a role like that? It was tough because it, it was a part where we're so picky and we knew that we had to get people who were um, excited about, perfecting something really, really passionate about like what they were creating. And also we're humble enough to continue to take feedback over and over and over and over. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we got lucky. We, there was a guy introduced to someone who was fresh out of college who Michael Clark, he's been incredible. He's great design. And we also got, in, we got introduced to a guy who was the head of design for OGO, which mm. is they were local here in Utah. So when yeah. Ojo got purchased by Callaway, he quit that, started doing his own thing on the side. We started contracting with him a little bit. And then finally, we're just like, hey, you should just come in-house and work with us because you're awesome. And so we uh, those are how we found those designers. And we got lucky and found some really amazing people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then speaking, speaking, I, I guess like transitioning now. So, you know, we're in we're in 2022. You said this is like one of the strongest years that you've you've had so far. Like, how are you thinking about growth this year? Like you're, you're ordering eight months of inventory. How are you thinking about product launches? Like, are you still like, Hey, let's double down on cameras. Are you looking to expand into new categories or like, what does that look like for this year? Yeah, we're always, we always have in terms of product line, like, because that's John and my favorite thing, we're always developing. We probably have like 15 products in the hopper that we're always working on. Cause we just love it. So, and we are going oh, into nice. new categories. We actually have two big new categories that we're heading into coming up in the next, in this fall and then next spring. Um, because of that feeling of if we want to, cause one thing is like, if we keep making bags, our bags are primarily purchased by men and guys only need so many backpacks. And right. so we got to figure out like new product categories and new market segments that we can go after. So we're definitely expanding. That's one strategy to growth. Um, another one is just new marketing avenues, like new customer acquisition methods and some that we're testing out this year. Like we're buying a lot of inventory. And we're doing some new things. We're doing a uh, TV test. So we're going to be on like, we're using Tatari to test on different mm -hmm. platforms like streaming and live TV. So these, those that commercial that I was just talking about, we made three commercials, really high production videos that I think will be really fun and represent the brand well there. We're doing a direct mail catalog, which we've never tried before. We're going to actually start doing stuff on podcasts, which we've never tried before. So one of the things we said at the beginning of the year was, Travel's coming back. We need to be everywhere. We need to start building awareness for our brand. Um, 
And so we said, we need to take four big swings, one each quarter to say like, here's a new test that we've never done. We're going to bet really big on it and put, you know, up to $200,000 in these tests, like really go in hard on something and see if we, if it'll work or not. And so those are some of the ones that we're doing bigger tests on to see, to, to, to ignite that growth, hopefully, and, and see some, some new channels that we can start pushing on. Because like we said earlier, Facebook is just getting more and more tricky and it, we're, we just can't rely on that anymore. Um, we're past due being able to just rely on that, you know? Right. I like the way you broke it down too. Like it's not, let's completely redo and re refocus our marketing efforts or like shift everything or go all in on these channels. It's like, Hey, let's do four big swings as tests, yeah. see what works. If it works, we'll keep scaling it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed like the most successful brands, like, you know, 200 plus episodes into this. I've been, that means weekly episodes. This is over four years. Some yeah. brands have gone to some brands have unfortunately gotten to zero. Some have like grown, you know, moderately others have achieved rapid growth and like having like a testing framework where they're diversifying their marketing mix is huge among those brands yeah. that are just like rocking it, which like, I don't even know if a lot of them knew exactly what, what they were doing back then. Um, and I think a lot of people would be like, Oh, you're unfocused, like stopping. So dis- like, you know, being distracted and focusing yeah. on all these shiny objects, but then now they've got like 10 channels, each of them are like 10 to 20% of revenue or, you know, sometimes less during that range. And it's a lot more defensible versus being that 99% Facebook business that existed when I started this podcast. I mean, that was most people on the show. What's working on Facebook for your Shopify store. That's, that's, that's what the landscape was back then. Right. Totally. Yeah. And it's been hard. It's tough to make those big swings. And, you know, we're luckily in a position now where over the past couple of years, because of COVID, we've been so, I've been so strict on cash. Like, don't spend unless we absolutely have to. So our cash, we've been building up our cash a bit, which has been nice. And so we're able to now, but yeah, we've, I just keep feeling out that we have to be testing new things. And, and we, we decided on the idea on the path of just four big swings and that's it. Like, we're not going to let's, we started at like 10 ideas and then said, what are the <laughs> four that seem like the ones that have the most likelihood of winning and we'll swing hard on those and see what happens. And if they work, then we'll double down and keep spending. And hopefully all of them work and we can be spending millions on each of those platforms because they're returning five to one, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. I like how, I like the honesty of, yeah, we started with 10 and so we're doing four. Like that's the, that, that is, that is the real answer. Four is like way too focused for it to just be like, oh, we have four ideas. Yeah. Um, We started with a lot more than that. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I I think being, being everywhere is important too. Oh, how do you think about that? Like you're like, oh, we we've cut everything. That's like not, not necessary. I feel like, you know, this consumer goods business, that's like, you know, very cash flow intensive, whether you're talking about your marketing or your inventory, like yeah. some people are probably listening to this and they're like, he saved money. How, like, what, <laughs> what are some of those opportunities that you look for where you're like, oh, we, we might be overspending or we don't want to overspend here. How do you think through that? I think it's just like, I mean, I wish I had a good answer. It kind of is just like gut. You just kind of have to look at things and say, if we cut this, how does it affect revenue? And if it doesn't affect it that much and we can get by, then cut it and see what happens for a month. And if it hurt it, then bring it back. You know, it's like trial and error. And so you find those things that, you know, in, in that time frame, I wasn't in a growth mindset. It wasn't like I have to grow by X. I'm like, if I could do exactly what we did last year, I'd be stoked. Which right. means in that year, in the prior year, there was a bunch of growth activities that I was spending money on. So I can cut all those and say, I'm not trying to grow. I'm just trying to exist and live. <laughs> Mm. breathe so for me it was like cut all growth because i just need to survive like as a if if you're a different brand and you weren't travel because like as a travel brand in the pandemic i just knew customers weren't buying 
right? Like it's mm-hmm. pretty hard to convince people to buy a, a, a roller luggage when they can't get on a plane. So for me, it was like cut growth, um, exist, push on, then we push photography. So any growth that we had, we kind of pushed a little to photography because that area was growing and just focus on things that just kept the lights on and kept things going as best I could. And then anything that was working, push it on that, but yeah, lay off on anything that's just straight growth. Got it. That makes sense. I know. Like, I think we get so caught up in, you see like one blog post or one press release or something on like somebody's like meteoric rise from like, that's like, you know, some unrivaled growth. It's like zero to a hundred million in three months. And you're like, Oh, how am I not there? And it's like, who's this guy? Um, I know we always look at away luggage that way because they were in the same space. And it was like, in 2019, they're like, they are crushing it. I mean, they, their valuations were insane. It just didn't even yeah. make sense. And we're like, <laughs> what is going on? But, yeah. Well, now we know it didn't make sense. I know. Um, <laughs> so bad for them. Bad. I know. No, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not fun for anyone. I mean, it's to yeah. be like for everybody, for all of us to really be the guinea pigs of this whole, like, I don't even know, wave industry. Wow. Um it's, I mean, it's definitely been interesting to, to watch the transition, but yeah, no, I think, I think that makes sense. And I think a lot of people get way too excited about, it's like, you, you end up really stressing yourself out and like, there's a, a lot of opportunity to continue to grow without completely like burning and stressing yourself out. Like, yeah, I think like when you get in that mode of like, you're on all cylinders and you're like, Oh, we got to grow, 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 grow. Like, you don't end up making better decisions and you definitely don't end up getting more done because you're just like spinning your wheels a bunch. And so you're tired for like no real reason. Um, but it's yeah, so hard I, to do when you're like the idea types like us. Um, yeah, totally. You just want to see yeah. growth and you want to see progress. And unfortunately the only way we see progress, you know, back in 2019, the only way I saw progress was that I had to see revenue grow, but I've come to the realization like COVID one thing that I definitely taught me that I haven't really mentioned is like just focusing on the foundation and solidifying mm-hmm. that. And you may not see top line revenue grow, but your foundation is getting stronger and that's real growth, which no one else in the world sees but you. And some ways that we did that was like working, trying to get better at customer service and making sure we're taking care of clients better, getting better at like taking care of our employees and making sure they're happy. Like getting those foundational pieces that don't directly turn mm-hmm. into revenue is hard to do. And also taking care of yourself personally, like <laughs> right. during COVID, like right before that happened, we, we were going through that big growth phase and trying to like take off and we stopped. It was a big realization for me to be like, that's not what I actually want in life. Like, I don't really want that. I could have yeah. pursued that. I could have continued, but in the end, I wanted to be able to go home to my wife and kids and like be happy and not stressed out of my mind. And so right. that for me was also growth. And I had to come to those realizations that revenue is one form of growth, but it's definitely not the only growth you should be chasing. Yeah, for sure. Also, you'll get there. <laughs> like, you'll, you, you'll get there. Like, I, you know, I, I'm obsessed with consumer brands. So I'm like always looking up different companies and like looking up everything. So, um, and you know, what's interesting is like you look at any of the big conglomerate portfolios of like the PNGs or the um, SC Johnsons and you look at half their portfolio and it's like created in 1932. And it's yeah. like, yeah, no wonder it's a billion dollar brand now. Um, it grew over a hundred, almost a hundred years. Um, yeah. Patience is super overrated, especially in like, you know, it's hard because we had the jackpot, the, um, slot machine of Facebook ads, you put a dollar in, like you hit, it's like, ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah. When we started, it was like, we put in like $2 and made 20. It was like a 10 to one all day long. It was printing money in 2014. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's just time. Yeah. My Joe, who I work with, he always is like, 
good companies take about 10 years to come along. <laughs> like, and it takes about 10 years to really feel like you've got something. And I, I yeah. started saying to me like three years ago, I'm like, that's like six years away. I don't have that time. I can't yeah. wait that long. But now we're eight years in and I'm like, yeah, you have to go through those troubled spots and those hard times and the ups and downs to like really solidify those foundations and make yourself strong enough to endure, you know? Yeah, it's so true. I know. And then you even looked back, like everyone's looking back at like 2016, 2017 is like the glory days of Facebook ads. And it's like, oh, I should have launched a brand then. I should have done this. I should have done that. It's like, either way, you're going to get hit with the 2020 inventory ad spend squeeze. Like it's totally. not like, unless you got in and got out, which like, you know, not that many people did. Right. And then I feel like everybody forgot about brands. Like I, I love how you're getting into like a direct mail catalog and like TV. I feel like people forgot that um, brands used to exist like before Facebook ads were a thing. Um, yeah, it was like you go into I would go into networking events or mastermind groups I formed, and we were all like, "Yeah, TV doesn't work. It's no good." Like, <laughs> yeah. and like direct mail is old. It doesn't work. Now we're all like slowly like with our television, it's like going back to like, yeah. Hey, let's give this a try. Let's see if it works. <laughs> well, I feel like the same thing is going to happen with Facebook in five years. Everyone's going to forget about it. And then, you know, I'll have someone on my podcast and be like, yeah, we went from zero to X in uh, three months on Facebook. Turns out it's cranking and everyone forgot about it. Um, I know. It's but, so funny. These little waves that happen. Yeah. Everybody's chasing. Everyone's just chasing, chasing the trends. It's scary in marketing because you don't want to be original because like, it's, it's just scary. It's like, Oh, this shouldn't work. It's not going to work. You find like a million reasons. To, in your head why like something can't be mm-hmm. um but that's actually where all those like super high return ideas are is like the outlandish things um because totally. then eventually they get watered down and they stop working mm-hmm. um but like that's a scary that's a scary thing to do especially if you're like a bootstrap business owner because it's like your <laughs> livelihood <laughs> yeah everything you have is put into this and you you can't yeah. make those bets they're scary bets yeah <laughs> well it's been fun chopping it up i know i know um I mean, we covered like the whole, the whole gamut so far, but before we sign off, I also want to cover like what you're most excited about in the future. Cause it seems like you're, you're really excited about where things are headed. You see the, um, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, what, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? I know you got product launches coming up and some exciting marketing tests, but, um, yeah. How are you, how are you thinking about the rest of this year? Yeah, I'm, I have a couple of things I'm working on personally that I'm really excited about. One is, you know, as we get out of survival, survival mode, um, I think we're getting to focus on other things that for me are more fulfilling. Like I, I'm going to be focusing a lot on brand over the next like couple of years, probably like, mm. cause I look back on, at the, uh, how do you like, define brand? Like what's brand yeah. to you? So for me, it's, it's the way that we connect with people and the way that people perceive us and what value we add to them personally. Um, and so for me, as I look into the future, I'm like in five years from now, if I, all I can say is I've created and developed, designed and sold bags, it's great. And I love what we're doing, but it's a kind of an empty existence. <laughs> like I can do so much more with my life and be more proud of something greater. So I'm trying to find ways after doing those calls with customers, it really got me energized to say like, there are some amazing people supporting us and like buying our products and like seriously making, doing incredible things with their lives. And I want to figure out how to become more connected with them and empower them to, to do more and be more. And when we started Nomadic, it was all about, you know, for me, it was, we weren't trying to start a business. It was like, let's progress and learn more about business. I just want to grow and progress in my mind. And that's what I'm driven by. And so moving forward, we're trying to find ways to bring that element of what Nomadic is to life and, and help and help others like empower them to be able to elevate their lives more and take control and design a life that they want an accomplishment like and accomplish it as i started nomadic and quit my job and started doing this it was 
so liberating to be able to do whatever I wanted with my time and energy and just focus and do whatever I wanted. And I learned that anyone can do that if they can just like focus on it. So anyways, all that to say, I'm trying really hard to bring that part of the brand, that energy that I feel for that part of what we're doing here to life through some things that we're working on, um, some programs and things to help people feel like we're more than just a bad company, but we're here to help people become the best version of themselves, essentially. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's so important. Everybody preaches on like community and like, oh, you need that as a brand, but like, how do you tactically do that? It's it's really exactly what you're saying. Like, it's got to be baked in the brand at its core. It's got to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I can tell you're excited about it and it means a lot to you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then you'll get that feeling like you like you used to have when it was like, oh, the sky's the limit. And yeah, you can do anything. So exciting. Yeah, yeah, we're doing things like to really make it come to life. Like like you said, tactically, like to make it real, we're trying to do things. We're actually working on developing an app that helps people track self-improvement stuff and create goals and like accomplish goals. We're going to launch for free for people in our community just to say like, really, this is what it's about. Like, and then in the end, people that wear our bags are saying to the world, like, I'm a person who cares and I'm trying to grow and progress. And that's what I'm doing. Like, and this bag shows the world that I believe in that philosophy and mentality. And that's what we end up creating is that emotion with people. And we're just enabling people to become better, you know, each day, which is what it's all about. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, and I think that perfectly plays into how already you did the customer research and then you found like people are so empowered by your product already. It's like yeah. elevating that and making exactly. it forefront of the brand. Like once again, like perfect intersection, you're not making this up. This is based on like what your customers say, what you feel like. It's not just like, Oh, let's throw some post-it notes on the wall and see like, what do we, what do we want nomadic to be about? Um, which I think right. is super cool. And that's super exciting. When is the, when is the app coming out? Well, we're just in the beginning phases and I've never developed an app before. So <laughs> I wish I could give you an exact date. A lot of learning is going on here. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that we can get some basic testing stuff out being at, in this year, you know? So it'll be, it'll be months before anything's like actually out. But I'm, I'm excited about what, what we're creating and what we're developing. It'll be fun. Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, well, in the meantime, where can we go to check out your, you know, new and improved product catalog over the last two years since the last feature and learn more about Nomadic? Yeah, just go to nomadic.com, N-O-M-A-T-I-C, uh, or on Instagram, all the social channels. Nomadic is on all of them. So yeah, go check us out and see what's there that that uh, works for you. Yeah, sounds great. Um, yeah, if you want to feel more confident, be more confident when you put that uh, bag on the table, nomadic.com. Um, cool. Well, hey, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. If you're not subscribed on iTunes or Spotify, go hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're not on our email list, go sign up at wavebreak.co slash join. You'll join other e-commerce leaders at brands like Skims, Cartier, and Walmart, and thousands more learning exactly what's working in e-commerce right now. You won't want to miss it. Sign up at wavebreak.co slash join. It's free. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day.